Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Get your fix on the morning spiel right here on 1033 WKMZ. I'm kind of waiting for uh, for Neil Brown to to break out his Coach Prime shtick. You know, is there going to be a moment where he's gonna he's gonna put the shades on, maybe maybe the hoodie, and start saying, "Do you believe?" Like we're in the middle of of a Matrix movie. Do you believe? I mean, folks, I think might actually start be starting to believe. They're four and one. The coaching staff has really been. Uh, I, you have to say, on the whole, has done a phenomenal job to get this team to this point, to win the way that they've had to win, and to do it in a bunch of of really, really interesting ways, uh, but ultimately using that same kind of kind of gritty, grinded-out formula. But the Mountaineers are 4-1, and one, and uh, they're heading into their bye at 4-1, and one, and, and honestly, I, I can't think of a single person who thought the Mountaineers would legitimately, this was always the best case scenario. And I think even the most optimistic of Mountaineer fans were thinking three and two feels pretty good. You know, if we win the three games that are sandwiched in between TCU and Penn state, or if we win three of these five games and just happen to maybe drop one that we don't think we should lose, but maybe take one that we think we should get. Well, that's not the end of the world, but here they are. They're four and one. And they're on a four-game winning streak. Mike Osti is the managing editor of West Virginia Sports Now, host of the Mike Drop podcast. He joins us every single week at this exact same time. So you know where to find him in case you do or do not like what he has to say. Mike, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? And, and yeah, people, whether they like what I have to say or not, they usually find a way to find me. I am all <laughs> over the place and easy to find. So come all, and I will tell you why you're right or why you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. What do you, what do you think of, of, I mean, I, obviously he's not, you know, Neil Brown is, is a pretty humble, humble guy. And this is nothing to say of Dion, the Dion Sanders show. I, I love coach prime. I, I, I think the haters, uh, well, the Neil haters, Brown is actually a Dion Sanders fan. Yeah. He actually told yeah. me that when he was on my show and he grew up a Dion fan, still a Dion fan. He's not the yeah. He's very different. Than yes, Sanders, the vibe is very. And, and I will say the the, the haters are what make Dion kind of fun anyway. But, than people think he does. Yeah, I think the haters are what kind of make Dion fun anyway because it's like there's kind of this sort of like him versus them thing going on. And but my point was though setting up the question for you was that Neil Brown, you know, he did make a couple of comments. He thinks WVU should be ranked. They were receiving votes. This week, uh, I, they, I think technically, if you go by the order of the votes, they were something like 33rd uh, with five entire votes. But it's a step in the right direction for a team that's won four in a row. I guess uh, I am I am curious, are you on board with what Neil Brown is saying? Are the Mountaineers a top 25 team? Yeah, so I actually wrote about that. I put a commentary out even before... Neil Brown's press conference on Sunday, and I even told my colleagues that if WVU wins the game in relative fashion, and they won it in a very gritty, bizarre way, but if they win it and there's not like controversy, they legitimately win, I'm going to write that. And based on the landscape of college football, I do actually believe West Virginia should be a top 25 team. I'm not talking about 19th year. I'm talking about 25, 24 at the most, but it's about the landscape of college football. And it's also week-to-week ranking what people aren't getting. It doesn't mean that I think they're going to be there at the end of the year. 
it doesn't mean that I honestly even really think that if, you know, whether or not they're 25 best or not is a very eye-test, opinionated conversation. Personally, I usually rank teams. I usually vote for things. And this is the way college, the college football playoff does it, even though the AP does not, based on body of work and resume and what you've literally accomplished, not just what people think maybe would happen or off your pure eyes. West Virginia, as you said, 4-1. and one. Their only loss is what people would like to call in college sports a quality loss because they lost to a team that right now is vying for the playoff, is a top-10 team that is moving up in the rankings by these people voting, and they beat everybody else. Three of the wins are to Power 5 teams. One of them is to a Power 5 with a winning record this year, and that is TCU. They're 3-2. and two. But their losses are to West Virginia that we're discussing and Colorado that we're discussing and Deion Sanders. Colorado probably not a national contender that people think or thought earlier in the year, but at least like a 7-8 win team that's likely going to a bowl game after being 1-11. Those are not horrendous losses. They were also, you know, close games. So you look at that, and then you look at the landscape of the other teams vying for the spot. And I think this is really where the strength of schedule argument comes into place that Neil Brown's been talking about all offseason and even all, all season. Louisville is a team that squeezes in. They're 5-0. and I get it. Some people like the record over 4-1, and but they have only, I believe, two Power 5 wins. They do have a win over NC State, but is TCU better than NC State is kind of what you're arguing over. A lot of their schedule otherwise is no better than anybody else, certainly worse than West Virginia. Maryland that's getting more votes. They didn't squeeze in. I was kind of surprised, but they're getting more votes. They're 5-0, and too. They have, what, their best win of the season, Michigan State in the midst of scandal. Virginia, who's one of the bottom 25 teams in the country, they've literally played no one, even though they've blown everybody out. And Fresno State squeezing in. Yes, they're undefeated. They play one Power 5 the whole year. They already played it. It's Purdue. Purdue's not any good. The rest of it's a group of five schedule. They haven't been blowing teams out, but yet they're 5-0. and So if you look at all of that, I do think West Virginia should squeeze in. But as I told you last week, it doesn't really matter with bull tie-ins. Like, unless you're a playoff team, being 24 to 25th is not going to get you into a better bowl game. It doesn't really matter. But I think the players want it as a validation because they were predicted to be so bad by these same people. They kind of want the apology that, okay, you're 25th and – Neil Brown, actually, Alex, he's one of the only West Virginia coaches throughout his history, certainly in recent memory, that has never held a week coaching a ranked team. I think he wants it for that, to get that off of his back, too. Yeah, it, it does kind of feel a little bit like the Mountaineers are still being punished by preseason expectations. And, and, and that, it, that happens in the coaches and the AP a lot more than the playoff, which I think is the annoyance of the program. Yeah, right? yeah. And, I, and that, you know, there's nothing really you can do about that, especially because, again, it's not like the Mountaineers have been blowing these teams out. But they did win two of these sure. games with a, with a backup freshman quarterback. Uh, again, two of them against Power 5 opponents with said uh, backup freshman quarterback. Yeah, if you're going to go test, the backup QB has to come into play. I mean, yeah. Maryland's looking at a veteran QB that's the, the brother of an NFL player. That's a little bit different than Nico Marcio. Right. <laughs> and that's nothing against Nico either, because like, I think the, the right. expectation is, you know, hey, we know this kid's got a pretty high ceiling, but he's nowhere close to that ceiling right now. Sure. Yeah, and, and again, I do believe they should have been ranked. 
they did get some votes, though, so it's not like what I'm saying is insane. Yeah. There are people that have been covering the sport forever that have been voting on these polls forever that did vote for the program. And I did talk to Brett McMurphy and a few others that did not vote for them, and he flat told me that they were on the fringe. He literally considered it, and for him, they're more like a 27, not a 33. So even people that didn't vote, they're considering. They, they, I, You know, the only issue, I guess, Alex, is, and I even talked to somebody on on my podcast that does a lot more of an analytical ranking system that's really interesting for this and really goes to strength of schedule and doesn't worry about the past and tries to just do it this year. Unfortunately, Maryland's playing Ohio State. They win that. They're obviously going to be ranked, and they would 100% deserve it, and everything I've been saying about them would be proven not true. West Virginia is on a bye, so they can't improve their stock while these teams I'm talking about can. Will that hurt them in ranking conversations? Probably, unless those teams get, you know, blasted. And then you're looking at Houston, not good. Oklahoma State, not good. If they don't get ranked now after the TCU win, when are they going to get ranked off of just winning? Yeah. Because apparently that's not good enough for West Virginia, even though it is good enough for other programs. Yeah. And by the way, a mutual associate of ours actually uh, uh, had WVU ranked uh, 24, Greg Medea, uh, who is, uh, I don't know where he is. Is he covering yeah, he's UVA? Absolutely. Yeah. Is he yeah, covering UVA? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so I, I like the way Neil Brown framed another aspect of his press conference yesterday, and maybe you can contextualize this for us. But I, he, I noticed he framed the conversation as he thinks our best football, he said, and this is a direct quote, our best football is in front of us. Right. And I am curious about whether or not what he's, that, that was his way of saying, we know that we maybe haven't, like, let me rephrase this. We know that maybe it hasn't been the prettiest and we won't be able to win every game in this same way, so we have to improve. But at the same time, look at what we've done. Yeah, and, and part of that is a little bit of coach speak. Like, what is he going to say? Nah, you know, we got to win ugly all year. We're not really good. I'm voting for us, but, like, that's just because I'm coaching up a year. Like, obviously he's trying to rally the troops a little bit. But the difference, I think, of just coach speak, I will say, and we've talked about this throughout the season, Neil Brown is bringing a level of almost, not cockiness, he doesn't have that Dion personality, but confidence. Even when they were ranked 14, he sat there on the field at Jerry's World and said, I guarantee that's not going to be right. Guarantee it. I don't know if Neil Brown would have said that a couple years ago. Like, he does feel his team is better than what people think of his team. And when people are predicting things, a lot of it is off recent memory, and recent memory's been bad, but he thinks this team is different and better. And we've talked about chemistry, the fact they're brotherhood, galvanizing the troops, things like that that are, that are more evident this year than in the past. And you got to look at it this way. I think which is why he thinks they got the best football in front of them. They're 4-1. You could argue they played like a 1-4 team. I would rank them because I think the resume shows it, but I get the eye test to say that they're not a ranked team, but they're playing with house money, too. If they, you know, go out there and keep winning ugly, they're going to keep winning, obviously, but I don't know how long that'll last, but you have to assume that they're going to play a little bit better, and in future games, they probably won't be dealing with four players leaving the game, mm-hmm. all two players being carted off, a backup QBs, like, they've dealt with a lot of adversity that most teams deal with through an entire season in those first five games. Oh, uh, that's such a Take good, good, good and point. Kind of give them a normal year, then we can actually see how good they are. Yeah, that, that's an excellent point and a good segue for what I was going to ask you next. First of all, worth noting, and I actually said this during the intro to today's show, 
two guys, what happened to, to Burks and Lathan, that is exactly right. That may be the type of thing that occurs over the course of a season. That happened in the same game. You could count yeah. how many plays apart that that occurred. That's a tough thing to come back from as a team emotionally. And again, I, I compared it to DeMar Hamlin, noting that obviously very different circumstances, but even still, it's frightening and you have to watch it happen twice. And the Burke situation in particular, I, they were really, really frightened. Uh, you could tell yeah, on the and field. I think that's absolutely legitimate to say. And part of that is you're coming off of the DeMar Hamlin incident. So maybe if you didn't have that, maybe it wouldn't have felt as scary. But these college players, Alex, are football fans, too. I'm going to bet some money. Most of them watch Monday Night Football Absolutely. and saw that happen. And then less than a year later, they see a player play the same position who really is built very similar in Aubrey Burks and go down and the similar thing happened. And obviously it didn't touch the severity of what happened to DeMar Hamlin. He's in a lot better condition and actually might play this year, not just next. But still... They didn't know that at the time. So I actually have former coaches arguing with me on social media. Well, that's not as traumatic. At the time, they didn't know. Right. So at the time, they're seeing their friend go through this. And that could be, I mean, that could be a reason why C.J. Donaldson had another bad game. That was a, it could be a legitimate reason that was brought up. So I think all of that absolutely has to come into play. And it's not even just having players carted off. They dealt with several other injuries. Thomas Renak also goes down. These are key contributors. So yeah. there's the trauma effect, and then there's the effect of mid-game against the defending national runner-up. How are you going to replace your starting safety? How are you going to replace an offensive lineman? How are you going to replace a linebacker that doesn't have a deep crew already? Like, my God, the, the, just on the field, it was hard to replace those guys let alone the trauma impact, too. Yeah, uh, and it wound up being, I, I think, at least for a period of time, it wound up being two starting offensive linemen, as it's now been reported that Wyatt Milam, because I did not know right. this occurred during the game, but now it's been reported that at one point he got poked in the eye after 100%. a play. Yeah, and Neil Brown actually said that if they were going to, he literally said if they were going to play this Saturday and did not have a bye, Wyatt Milam would, would probably not be able to go. And he also told us that he was basically blind in one eye, couldn't see, if it was a boxing match, Neil Brown compared it and said that he would have, they absolutely would have stopped the fight. He wanted to go, but we kind of had to stop it. So that was something that on the broadcast was not even brought up at all because they're busy talking about all these other injuries and Robbie Burks and Trey Lathan in the hospital. Again, regular injuries that occur throughout games are kind of under the radar because West Virginia had more severe ones going on, and they were still able to win. And as I have been saying again throughout the season – the way the backyard brawl went down with Garrett going down in four plays, Texas Tech almost coming back, and then all those injuries against TCU, the 2022 Mountaineers would have lost all of those games. The 2023 Mountaineers conquered adversity and won those games. Are they better? Maybe, maybe not in terms of, you know, eye test, but they're winning them, and that has to, again, go to coaching. Maybe the coaches are doing a better job than they did last year. Sucks they didn't do a good job last year, but they matured and decided – we got to look inside ourselves, too. These are veteran coaches, and they did a better job. And it also, at least right now, legitimizes WVU and Neil Brown saying, okay, you're bringing me back. I want my staff back, too. Because there were conversations they were going to bring Brown back, but they'd have to get rid of the staff, like always happens in sports before the head coach goes. He fought for that staff that had been good prior to last year, and they're all coaching their you-know-what-off. 
Yeah. Uh, hey, real quick before we go. So we checked off Wyatt Milam. We think he's going to be back for Houston. What about Tomas Remek? Right. Uh, do we think – Did I don't remember seeing him come back into that game. Do we think uh, – we obviously know Trey Lathan is not going to be back. Uh, but Remek, right. uh, Burks, uh, what are we thinking about those guys? Burks, obviously, like you yeah, said, I, I sounds better than we thought. Not play. Like it's hard, I'm not a doctor. It's hard to imagine. The tests are going for negative. Neil Brown's words were that he's fine. I don't know what that means. I don't know what Neil Brown's hearing. He's not a doctor either. That seemed like the most serious, and it's hard to imagine he plays, but maybe he does. William Island, I also would think maybe could play. That doesn't feel like something that you have to miss two to three weeks, because if you don't return in the game, you're on a bye. That, that's almost like two and a half weeks missing. That seems like a lot, but who knows? Um, this conversation of maybe him wearing a visor. Maybe he'll play with a visor. I know Neil Brown thinks that cumber, that's cumbersome. Um, but it's possible that this bye week came at the exact best time. And if it was not a bye week, they would probably be very undermanned and be in trouble. But because this bye week comes, they're 4-1. Forget trying to get ranked or not. They want to keep winning games and be good as a team and be healthy. So this bye week could actually potentially save them. But they do go into a kind of a short. It's Thursday. So yeah. Neil Brown did, uh, you know, it's been the season of complaining. Despite them winning, <laughs> he did offer a complaint saying that, hey, you know, we have the bye week. I appreciate the bye week. But when you make the game after the bye week on Thursday, kids that are from Florida cannot go home because of our schedule. So this team is on bye from playing. They cannot go home. Right. That's one of the few college programs that's undoing that this year as well. Again, part of Neil Brown hating the schedule. Uh, real quick before I let you go, we'll uh, we'll definitely talk a lot about Houston next week. We don't need to worry about that uh, today. That that deserves its entire own segment. So uh, for us, for for us, it's a great time for the bye week, so we can kind of just kind of re- re- refresh and kind of take a take stock of this four and one start. Before I let you go, did you watch Gino last night? I did watch Gino last night. It wasn't exactly you know the best of Gino, but he didn't have to do too much with that defense destroying Daniel Jones and. Is O line sucking and them getting turnovers, but Gino, I, I also think like Gino's coming to his own. Talking about Neil Brown, like Gino was a backup for so many years, everyone doubted him. He had that great renaissance year last year, and now when he thinks a player kind of threw a dirty shot in there and he gets hurt, he's not just going to go to the medical tent and have call it a day like years ago. Gino, he goes right at the guy. He's like, "Let's oh, let's fight. That was dirty," and then leads his team to a victory. I don't care. I don't care who you root for. I don't see how anyone could root against Gino. Like yeah. this guy, it is just fun to watch him play. Even in a bad game, he's very entertaining and has a viral moment or two. Yeah, he's uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. I, I really enjoy yeah, Gino yeah, Smith. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, really, and if they they keep winning like this. I might have to write another uh, Gina should get an MVP voter too coming because I did that last. Year. By the way, even even when yeah. he doesn't have his best games, I l- he just throws these absolute darts over the middle. Yeah, and he, it, he, does, it is, he is much crisper now, oh. and he also doesn't hurt you. That like yeah. even if he doesn't throw three hundred yards, he doesn't have the two or three picks that a lot of other QBs have. Even elite QBs like Josh Allen, he might win the MVP when he's bad. It's two or three picks. When Geno's bad, it's game managing. And when he's really good, it's, it's very efficient and could be 300 yards and you know 50 on the ground. So, again, I think he's maybe one of the most underrated players in the league, even though he got the award last year. But another dub for Geno, and Pete Carroll and him were having fun. Like, that's a fun team to watch. It feels like it would be a fun team to root for. Part of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to be a Jets fan and now be rooting for Geno Smith later. Hey, Mike, what do you got coming up this week that you're working on? <laughs> I'm sure the Jets would be 
Yeah, Mike Drop Podcast actually is where it's at this week, as I alluded to. I have a, uh, a sit-down with Kelly Ford. For those of you who don't know from social media, he's catching some steam this year. He actually does very analytically chart ranking. Maybe some wouldn't be interested in this show, but I think it's very interesting because he kind of goes over a lot of what I said about why WWE should be ranked, and I'll tease it. Based on strength of schedule and what you've done this year, so it doesn't go off of Georgia a couple years ago, all that. doesn't go off the back-to-back titles. He is Georgia number 10, number 10 despite winning, and West Virginia number 15. Like He is doing the ranking off of just this year. He doesn't get into preseason. He does these ratings and rankings, and really off of this just this year, and if you play no one, your style points are not as good as teams with you know with winning records, things like that. He does quality wins versus ranked wins. Very interesting conversation on Mike Drop, and then of course I do the sports now for the coverage of the Mountaineers, and that extends beyond football as well. We're still waiting for a waiver and saying goodbye to Jose Perez. Uh, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about that soon. I am looking forward to listening to that, by the way, because I have a I, I have a rant percolating uh, over over this conversation about sort of letting preseason expectations seep in. So I, I look forward to listening yeah. to that episode. Yeah, I'll send it to you because I'm going to have him on again. Like, we actually went longer than I wanted, and we could have done a three-hour show. I was so, like, having fun during the talk. So I need to bring him on again. But it it was very, very interesting. Like, very interesting that he's putting a lot of energy in to doing this for legitimately this year. And I should even send it to Neil Brown because Neil Brown did say, <laughs> he spent all day Sunday with Mike Montoro trying to send the rankings in. He doesn't believe. He threw a shot at the AP voters. He doesn't believe people are putting in that kind of work. Kelly Ford is. I'll say that. Very good. Hey, Mike, appreciate it as always. We will talk with you next week for the showdown with Dana. I look forward to it. Absolutely, man. Have a great day. You too. See ya. All right, guys, we are going to hit a break. This is the Morning Spiel presented by Royal Water Treatment on 103.3 WKMZ. We'll be chatting with Adam Zundel of ESPN Plus, the Big 12, now on ESPN Plus about Mountaineer men's and women's soccer. I don't know if you've heard this Mountaineer men's soccer team. They're pretty good. We'll be chatting with him coming up after this. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.